Welcome to 222 Paranormal Podcast with your host, Jen and Joe. Welcome, everybody. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good. Great. Doing good. Uh, back to work, finally. Finally. It's finally, been yeah. 800 years. And I've decided that I don't like to work. I, this place is a mess. What <laughs> <laughs> place isn't right now? Yeah. I'm telling you, everybody, I think, is feeling a little bit of um, just... Uh, Sick of work? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. You know, we're all hoping we win the lottery. But <laughs> I have an announcement to make. Yes, I do too. So go ahead. I'm actually Bigfoot's daughter. Seriously, Squatchy! Oh, okay. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an announcement also. I want to wish my best friend, Dana Hello. Forrester, who you heard in the intro playing that dirty bass. It's her birthday today. Wishing her a very, very, very... Happy birthday. Happy Sorry birthday, I cannot Dana. be out to dinner with you guys, but I'll take her to dinner. We'll probably go to Captain Joe's or something. <laughs> but Awesome. Happy birthday, Dana. We yeah. Love we love you. But on today's show, we have the fabulous Miranda Young, the ghost biker, talking about all her seasons that she has and the season coming up. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on. Thank you for yes. putting your dinner on hold and spending <laughs> time with me. We will have snacks later. Yes. You know, we're all about snacks. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, Dana said, hey, we're all going to dinner. I want you to go. I'm like, I'm doing an interview. And she's like, what? I said, it's Miranda. And she's like, oh, okay, then I'll, I'll let you stay home for that. There was a pass for that one. But we'll no, make it we're, up to her. Right, yeah. exactly. But we're just really excited that you're on. Um, you know, we've been following you throughout all of your seasons. And, um, you know, we, there's so much to talk about. You have so much going on right now and so many interesting and cool haunted travels yeah treasures yeah. yeah you know first off you know thank you guys for all your support that you show for for ghost biker and everything we're doing i mean you guys have been there since the beginning and uh you know just just wonderful advocates for uh the paranormal and then also for the personal projects and stuff that that i'm working on so so thank you guys i really appreciate that you know, it's always great that, you know, you can find people that support each other and, and cheer each other mm -hmm. on. And, and you know, it isn't a competition. It's, you know, just everybody lifting each other up to like, you know, we all are in this together. So that's right. That. Paranormal that's right. collaboration. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, there's a lot of good people out in the paranormal field. And so um, that's that's been my favorite part about doing all of this is all the wonderful, awesome people that I'm able to meet and uh, be able to work on collaborations with and, and, and sit and, you know, spend the spend the evening chatting. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, you know, sharing yeah. the ideas and the experiences. Yeah, for sure. You know, when when we first got into this, I wasn't no I wasn't sure what kind of people we would meet. Because coming from the outside, looking in, I mean, I'm a weirdo now. I think I've always been a weirdo. But, uh, yeah, we just, there's so many different people that we meet, and everybody is so nice. Yeah. Yes. It's, and like we said, there's, it's not a competition at all, because even, you know, other shows or podcasts or that, we meet so many people and everybody is just awesome. Yeah. And and you can learn from each other, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I learned so much about investigating by watching videos like ghost biker and all you. of your seasons and, you know, things I didn't realize, um, you know, I don't want to say like, uh, I guess it's like tips and tricks, right? Like sure. Trigger objects that you've used in your investigations. Um, like the, we were just talking about the light up, um, ball that you use and yep. i wouldn't think to use that mm -hmm. but you know you know there's such cool and interesting things now that people are trying um in their investigations and and getting results yeah absolutely i mean i always say that you know you you can't limit the paranormal in in that sense because you know if a 
spirit wants to speak through a, a smoke detector or, you know, find a different way to communicate, that's what they're going to do. So, you know, I love trying to think outside the box, try to find different trigger items and try to find different items that that may work really well in the location that I'm at and really just thinking outside of the box. I mean, over the you know, I've been an investigator for um, a little over 13 years now, and um, I've uh, throughout that time, you know, part of the time I was with a team, learned a whole lot from those guys that that I was on the team with. And then when I stepped out and started doing my own thing with Ghost Biker, um, you know, I've tried throughout these past four seasons to try different types of trigger items. Um, one of them, you know, in the, the earlier first season, um, we actually used a smoke machine or a fog machine. Um, the location that I was in was some was somewhere that didn't have any power. And okay. uh, they always say that I've always heard that one of the theories is that, you know, if there's a portal in a location, it will react a certain way to um, smoke or, or fog or that sort of thing. And so since we didn't have um, any power in this particular location and couldn't use a smoke machine, I actually uh, lit off smoke bombs and uh, filmed that to see if we could capture any type of portal-like type activity. Um, like you said, with, with the ball, um, in the most uh, current uh, season, one of the trigger items I used, it's, it's a typical trigger item, but it's not typical for me. Um, I, I am not a, a spirit board or Ouija board user, but we actually use the spirit board and Ouija board in a different manner than what people typically use it as far as sitting around having a seance and having a session. We actually, because this particular location has, um, does has a lot of seances and a lot of metaphysical type activity there we wanted to actually use the board as a trigger item without actually using it and so um or using it in its traditional sense so so i try to think outside the box and and try different different items uh in each of the episodes if if at all possible i always try to find something that's um kind of along the lines of the time period of the spirits that we think we're trying to communicate, whether it's music or um, it could be, you know, a certain, like maybe a cigarette or uh, a coin from that year. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's something that the spirit would recognize. And, I, and music's a huge thing too, because like it's gone into civil war locations with civil war um, uh, ties and use, music from that era and, and it always just seems to really like liven up the room spiritually it does it does and and that music is something that i often use um you know you have to kind of be careful in your if you you know if you're a content creator you have to be kind of careful playing mm -hmm. the music in your videos because you know of, of copyright and such but um every time that I'm in a specific location. Um, an example of that was from this past season at the Octagon Hall House. The uh, people who owned this, this home, they were uh, Southern sympathizers and they did have uh, the Union soldiers come in and kind of take over the house for a while. And uh, when I was down there in the main, uh, main dining room section, we started playing um, the Confederate uh, uh, fight song mm -hmm. and then also several other songs and we started getting um some light anomalies the flashlights started lighting up um was getting some interesting um orb type activity while that was going on so um yeah music always seems to yeah. work really well for me well it's a universal language you know it is. absolutely and it puts people back in a moment in time you know when you're living and then i'm sure once you've passed on you know you're you're probably not you know setting your playlist and <laughs> and have access to be able to um you know just pull up whatever song that you want so and it's vibrations true that's true that's Looking true vibrations. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that. And then, you know, we all can sit there and talk about how, you know, a certain song that was one of our favorites or something that was popular back during a certain time period in our lives. And it's amazing how when you hear that song again, it can totally take you back to oh, yeah. what you were experiencing and the feelings and emotions you had. So why would that not work the same way in the spiritual world? Mm -hmm. sure. For sure. And I, you know, I, one thing I like about your shows or your shows is when you're doing those kind of things, you are connecting with them on the level that they are. You're not just going in and saying, 
light up this light or that. You actually talk to them as if they're I standing do. right in front of you because, you know, they are. Basically. You know. <laughs> they are. I mean, I, I really feel like the communication back and forth, it's, it's a real honor when a spirit decides to communicate with you, whether it be, you know, just lighting up a lot and giving you a disembodied voice or even showing themselves as a full bodied apparition. To me, it's, you know, I'm coming into their house. Sorry, I have a cat climbing up behind me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that would not be surprising. <laughs> um, but sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you know, it's, I feel like it's a real honor. You're stepping into their space, their house, their home. And so whenever they, you know, give you the, um, spirit communication, I mean, it's, it is a real honor. And so I like to just go in. I like to, I, I try to have a plan when I go in, but a lot of the time I'll say, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to let the location determine where I need to, to start at and what I need to do. And then just, I spend a lot of time going in and just sitting and talking and yeah. um, you know, it, and it, it seems to yield pretty good results. Do you generally do a lot of research before you go in or do you kind of want to have like um, an open um, or, you know, a, like an experience of, okay, I don't want to know too much because I want to see what comes forward. I do a lot of historical research. Um, I don't really care too much to know the hot spots. Um, I don't want to really know a whole lot about that sort of thing. But okay. because I, my episodes are very heavily based on history and I like to see if I can get some of the responses based on either the history or the legends that, um, you know, that, that you often hear. Um, I do that type of research beforehand and I'll spend as much time if I can personally interview someone. That's what I like to do. If I can physically go into the archives, go to the cemeteries, um, go to the different places to actually physically research. And then I do a lot of online research as well. Um, there have been a couple places that the the owners of the locations have written books about if if they are books that are written from the perspective of paranormal research i actually try to refrain from reading those until after i go to the location yeah. um but if there are ones you know because a lot of the stories that i get um and a lot of the locations that i visit they come from books like say for instance haunted birmingham haunted mm -hmm. chattanooga those types of local legends so the rumors of the hauntings, those sort of things and the legends I like to read. But as far as like going into a place and somebody telling me, here's where most people have captured stuff. I really try to refrain from the personal experiences and the hot spots just because I want to see if the location will tell me. Yeah, yeah I agree with that because I do the same thing. I, I really don't want to know where the hot spots are because then you're anticipating it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I've, I've seen a few times where you ask for something like, let's say a little girl named Jenny or that, and you get a response back saying, yeah, this is Jenny. But yet you go back and research, there was never a person with that name there. So That's we right. don't know if it could be a mimicking spirit sure. or not, you know. Mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, you, you don't know if that's if it's something that essentially somebody could have brought in or a legend that kind of started from somebody who was in there that really had nothing to do with the location or as you said you know someone had brought brought in or you know um i mean like i said if it, a lot of the time people will share some things and um certain things i do like to know it does depend on the location itself um yeah. several places i've gone to have really have really no history to them like uh, revenant acres uh willows weep those type of locations that i investigated they they don't really have a a story as to why the haunting may have occurred at these particular houses so in those instances you know i don't necessarily want to know the hot spots but i may want to know just a little bit briefly of some of the things like if people are seeing shadow figures, if, um, you know, in Revenant Acres, there was a specific entity that stayed up on uh, uh, the second floor known as seven, you know, so I was interested to know that sort of thing. But as far as the fine details of it, I really didn't want to know. But that's kind of a different type of 
situation than some of them that I go to. Um, the the Nickerson Sneed house that I highlighted this past season, I really didn't want to know the hot spots because the whole house had rumors of activity mm-hmm. and had um, you know different stories of things happening. So I kind of wanted to find that out for myself, but really more from the historical point of view. And you want the spirits to tell you, right? That's right. <laughs> You're like, please tell me. Tell me right. story. Come through. And, and two, you know, just because, you know, I always feel like we all bring so many interesting tools to the table, you know, when, when it comes to that. So it's like someone can go in and they can say, well, I get this type of activity by acting and using these certain tools. That's great. And and sometimes these tried and true methods, you know, if, if you're not getting any activity, it's cool to know that because then you can go in and you can try that and see if it really does spark um, some type of activity. But then again, there's something to be said about a different person's approach when they come in. That may get a totally different type of activity than what uh, people are used to in that location just because they're bringing a different uh, a different method, you know, to the investigation. And that the Nicholson uh, how do you say it? The Nicholson Sneed House? Nickerson Sneed House. Nickerson? Yes. Mm-hmm. I just watched that episode today after I got home from work. And I'm like, oh, my God, the activity <laughs> that you captured. Even were you, you weren't even set up yet and you're getting uh-huh. activity. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was an interesting place. So that was the first episode that was highlighted in season four. And yeah. it um, we did a couple different things in that one. Uh, it was a the first half was a collaboration investigation with Jake Fife from Fife Paranormal. And um, I've known Jake for several years, but we hadn't had the opportunity to collaborate. And so um, he invited me. We went. And from the minute I got there, all of my equipment was was dying. Uh, my yeah. gimbal that I was using, it died as soon as I got out of the car, which was really weird. Uh, and I couldn't get it to keep a charge. It was a brand new gimbal. Yeah. And um, I would plug it in and it seemed like it would take forever to charge. So I was sort of handicapped in a way to where as soon as I set up, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to record a little bit and continually go back and forth and uh, plug things in. I had um, three out of five recorders stop recording uh, and turn completely off whenever um, I had had them set up. One of them I had set up for about 30 minutes. It didn't record anything. The other I had set up for a little over an hour and it recorded about 10 seconds cut off. So Uh there was continual battery drain. Um, I had two cameras. Um, I believe I had on this particular investigation, I had seven cameras set up Uh and um, three out of those cameras didn't work at all that night. And so I was, I was really kind of bummed because out of that activity, I mean, we had some really crazy things happen. So I didn't know if I had actually captured footage to the pieces of of activity that I was getting. So I was actually really pleasantly surprised when I went back and started reviewing my evidence that we, we actually did catch some stuff, but we had a crazy session going on in the seance room and my camera that I had in there didn't catch any of it because uh-huh. that's one of the cameras that didn't work. Um, I just happened to have a mobile camera sitting up there that I always carried with me. And so I had that setting up and was able to capture, but it would have been cool to capture, to see if we'd captured any of the stuff that was going on while we were actively investigating elsewhere to see if that was happening down in the seance room. But I wanted to do an experiment with this one. I actually went back twice. And so uh, typically I'm a solo investigator and um, you know, I I will do collaborations, but typically it's, it's just me or it's just me and a videographer. Mm -hmm. But um, on this occasion, so Jake and I were both filming for ourselves and you know, Jake is a very intelligent and uh, wonderful investigator. And so um, it was interesting to see, because the activity was off the chart and on, on that particular night. So I kind of wanted to see if I went back a few months later and investigated by myself, but did some of the same techniques, ask some of the same questions and use some of the same tools to see if that plays a part in the fact of having 
a solo female investigator or having a young male investigator with a female investigator to see if, you know, if the dynamic or if our energy kind of changed some of the activities. So it was interesting to try those different techniques at the same place, um, the same, you know, the, within just a few months of each other. I tried to even get it to where the weather was similar, but you know, that's kind of hard when you book a couple yeah. months out, that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. But the, you know, all that to really just see, you know, how it, if that played played a factor, if, you know, what we bring in and the energy and that sort of thing that we bring into a location, if that affects some of the results that we end up yielding after the investigation. It's so neat to try different things like that because, mm -hmm. I mean, even I do the same thing. I go into a location, I end up telling myself, don't do the same thing over and over and over. Try mm -hmm. different things. Mm -hmm. And it seems to work with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I get, I'm like the anti-ghost magnet. I don't get anything. <laughs> I think we well, need to you take know. Like a balloon and rub it on Joe. You know how yeah, you get that static, static electricity charge? Yeah, well, <laughs> <Exactly>. the fro. <laughs> well, you know, we had a really interesting spirit box session. And, um, you know, it. And it was in part, we were using that, we had that Ouija board sitting out and we wanted to see if the, because most of the time at the Nickerson Sneed house, the, the owner of the home, she actually will start the investigations out with a seance. Um, Jake and I, we did, we did not do that at either investigation. And then also they will do, um, a lot of the folks use Ouija boards when they're in there. And so um, that's when we wanted to use that as a trigger item not actually sit there and use the board, but we set it up and set the camera on it to see if it would actually move throughout the investigation on its own without us uh, touching it. And then also we had, um, we set the spirit box on it to see what we would get. And when we had that out, we got some just it was some strange voices, some strange responses while that was going on, as opposed to when I was there the second night okay. um, doing it myself. I did not get the board out at that point, but I wanted to ask some of the same questions and see if if the same thing would happen in the seance room. And it was actually quite different. We did get some similar responses, but it, the um, aggressiveness of uh, some of the responses was very different from when um, I was there versus when I was there with Jake. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's so cool, the different techniques and different tests that you do and different, you know, different things like that. But also, I I was really intrigued when you investigated the, the I forget what episode, I'm sorry, but you investigated a train crash and you were actually down by the water. Yes. Not in a location, but you were actually on the location where the train accident supposedly happened and yes. i i was so intrigued by that episode because of the different things that you did because we don't think of stuff like it, it, you know we don't think out of the box like that well well thank you i, I appreciate that because that's that's actually one of my favorite episodes it was um episode two of season three and um th this location i mean the story behind it um i was i was really really honored to be able to share this story, but it, it takes place in uh, High Cliff, Tennessee, which is right on the Kentucky, Tennessee line up near Jellicoe. And um, I actually found this, I was out uh, planning out a route for a haunted motorcycle ride that I was hosting. And as I was riding down this road, I came up on this, it was like a little eight by eight sign stuck on a telephone pole and it said um, viewing site of 1944 train crash. And so, you know, you've, you're flying by on this mountain road, you see this sign and I looked over and there was, you know, it was, it was essentially the hills or the mountainside dropped off there. There were trees, so you couldn't see anything. So um, when I got back, I looked this up and I found out that this was in the top 25 um, train uh, crashes of all time. And it was um, back in 1944, just before the war. And this train was actually traveling with uh, brand new recruits from um, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. It was these, these servicemen hadn't even they hadn't done anything. They were actually on their way to boot camp. Oh. And so um, they were traveling down this uh, mountain windy train train track. 
And uh, they came up on this area known as the Jellicoe Narrows, which is one of the sharpest curves in that area. And they really didn't know what caused the accident. Um, some people thought maybe the um, engineer had fallen asleep. Some thought it was just the, how sharp the turn was. But essentially, the train ends up derailing, falls into this uh, water, which is a very rocky um, um, stream there. And uh, it, it was horrific the way some of these folks died and, and the way that the books that I read after I saw this uh, or after I had started researching, I mean, it was just very graphic the way, I mean, some of them were scalded, some of them were impaled, some of them drowned in the water. I mean, it was, it was awful. And so um, being that was a very rural and mountainous area, they, it took some time to get these, these guys out of this, um, out of this train. And so they had to take them to various areas because there wasn't any hospitals nearby at the time. And so, um, I was very intrigued by it and I thought, you know, this story needs to actually be shared somewhere other than just this little eight by eight sign. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I know the town of Jellicoe, they actually have a museum for it there inside of one of their hardware stores but um and and i know that there have been books and different things that have been written on it but essentially um the boy scouts back in the 80s put up a plaque on the big rock that was right there where the train wreck had happened but due to weather and time the plaque had been washed off and so um so i ended up going back and i ended up hiking down to the the water and, and you're right, I really had to look at some different methods of communication because you have, um, you know, you're sitting down in this little valley. You've got a pretty busy mountain road up on one side. You have a train track on the other and you have a rushing river down there. Uh, it was the Clear Fork River. And so it was pretty active and we had had a lot of rain. So there was a, a lot of uh, water flowing through there. Um, the specific time I went, I realized when I got down there that I was probably, I was a quarter mile from the sign because I, I literally yeah. had the road drops off. So I had to find a spot to, to pull off, hike down. And so when I started asking about um, where the train wreck occurred, uh, I was getting responses on my dousing rods. They actually turned to the area behind me where we believed the uh, accident had occurred. And the SB7, which I couldn't get any radio stations on this SB7 because of how rural of an area we were and the way we were sitting in between the two mountains. But um, the one word that I actually got on the SB7 was the word waterfall. Yeah. And so ended up having to use, um, I, I had some different trigger items. also had the names of all the soldiers who had, had uh, been perished in the accident. And I had to use these tools that, that, um, would really pick up more alarming top tools like the SB7, the REM pod, the EDI box, um, those type of tools that, you know, really I didn't, I couldn't rely on EVPs to be pulled out yeah. of the air. And so um, I went back a week later and I was, I was so thrilled when I went back because when we actually were able to get back to the site where we believed the accident had occurred, because we could see the, the plaque and from the pictures, um, I was able to identify the rocks. But as soon as we got there, there was a big old waterfall right there. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, so that was, that was uh, to me, that was, even though it was just a simple, subtle response. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and honestly, I wasn't really expecting to get very much of anything. You know, we did this investigation during the day. And I did that on purpose because for two reasons. One, because I didn't know what type area I was going to be hiking yeah. down into. Yeah, right. And uh, and two, I wanted to be able to show that it doesn't have to be. I mean, yeah, we all like to be creeped out and scared and stuff. But I wanted to, to show that that paranormal research doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't yeah. have to be. Um, it can be it. We do get activity during the day and um, that there's just a. A different way of doing things and so and then i also it was real important to me to be able to show um these actually the the photos of these men who ended up perishing in the accident i wanted to humanize you know and the fact that the, these were people who had lives that um you know and i think we sometimes forget that when mm -hmm. we go to these locations and so 
it was important to me most of all to be able to share that story honor those guys and just be able to show a different side of paranormal investigating yeah because you go I mean, like you were saying you're driving down this road and you couldn't you could have missed that sign so easily yeah. and yeah. You know, they do have a museum in the hardware store, but if you're not going to the hardware store and you don't know about it, it's just a memory to some people. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's a nice tribute to somebody who's probably been forgotten by now. You mm -hmm. know, and th there's so much time has passed and the family members have mm -hmm. probably passed. And, you know, I, I think sometimes when people pass away in a tragic situation, it's almost like they want to, they want to be remembered, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like, and if they're still where that had happened, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I was get, kind of sensitive about that stuff or like emotional, I guess, yeah. because, you know, yeah. I know that, you know, when somebody passes away tragically, it's, it's, it's it is, it is. And again, you know, it's, you know, Exactly. You know, it's uh, to me, like I said, it was something very important to share. And uh, I didn't really expect to get anything, but I got several really interesting things on this, um, on this particular episode. And so I was really glad to be able to show that. And it's, it's actually really one of my, my absolute favorite ones that I've done, even though it was just a, just a simple investigation. I think I was down there maybe about two hours that evening. And then it, I was probably hiking in there and it probably took me longer to hike in there the second time mm -hmm. than the actual investigation that I did. But um, it was probably in total, I was investigating maybe about four hours and mm -hmm. actually caught some, some pretty cool evidence to at least show that, you know, there, there was somebody there that, that did want to uh, share, share part of their story. And, and the fact that they actually shared an element of where the accident happened to direct us to that spot, I thought was really cool. Yeah. And it's nice not having to investigate in a dusty attic <laughs> yes. or an basement, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's obviously a place where investigators don't go all the time. I mean, you're yeah. probably the only one yeah, that's be. been down there to investigate and speak to these spirits. So they were probably shocked that you were there yeah. for one thing. And you're like asking them questions. You're like, wait a minute. She's talking to us. She's talking to us. <laughs> we remembered. Yeah. One of my well, favorite. Know, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where a lot of the time the responses that we get are so subtle and we just don't listen. You know, we're, we're not, maybe not in a situation where we can't listen or hear very well. And so, um, you know, to be able to go down there, spend the time, and ask a question and try to listen for some type of some type of response. I know the rods were very uh, responsive down there, which which makes sense because yeah. Yeah. it would be something from that time frame that would be easy to use and that they would understand. Um, but you're right. A lot of people didn't know because I've had people ask. They say, well, you know, I travel on that road. Where is that spot? Because they've either missed the sign or, yeah. you know, it's all grown up now. So they didn't really know where the spot was. So. Yeah, I like, you know, to pay attention to historical markers because, you know, we found some really, really interesting and cool places <laughs> just to stop on the side of the road. You see these, you know, a lot of people are just so busy and they just don't want to take the time to stop. But, you know, those those historical markers are there for a reason. And yeah. there's a story behind every single one. There and is. Take the time, people, and stop because you like find you open this rabbit hole and then all of a sudden you're unraveling this mystery mm -hmm. and it's so much fun. It's so fast. We were, we were traveling through it. Arizona, going to Jerome, Arizona, uh, which yes. is an awesome haunted town. Yes. And I was oh, driving amazing. Jen nuts because there's so many brown signs. I'm like, brown sign. I know what it is. another. We got to get to the road. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And even like you say at the beginning of your show, every town has a story. Yeah. They do. They do. I always, always tell people, and if anyone's, you know, heard me speak before, they've, they've heard me say this before, but I always tell people, yes, the commercial locations, you know, the Waverly Hills, the Lizzie Bordens, those type places. I mean, they're awesome. They have yeah. a great story. They've, they've built their own reputation, but I always tell people that it's like, if you take a map, 
close your eyes and touch anywhere on that map. I guarantee you that you're going to find a place that you touch. It has a story. It may just be local to that area, but you yeah. can find some amazing stories like that. And they're just in, they're in someone's own backyard, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I always challenge people to do that because, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the big commercial location. Most of the, uh, most of the best places are the little, little small, lesser known local legends. Yeah. yeah. And we've, you know, we travel a lot to different conventions and we've gone so many places where we walk into either gas stations or restaurants yeah. and people see our shirts and mm -hmm. they're like, you guys are paranormal. We're like, yeah, you know, and they always have a story to tell. Yeah. We're like, yes. what's the local legend? Tell mm -hmm. us the hot spots. Where do the kids yep. go hang out? Yeah. You know, like where's the, uh, <laughs> where's the, the crybaby cry bridge? Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's always a crybaby bridge and always a where place where Al Capone stayed. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, or the school bus accident where yes. all the kids died. And yes. Now there's a yep, bunch of... Yeah, they pushed your car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, if you if you had your choice between haunted attic or haunted basement, which <laughs> one would you choose? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, probably... Oh, because, you know, I've done both. And, right. Um, right. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of like the basement because in my mind it's so when i go to a location i always always try to ground myself and uh, sometimes depending on the place i'm at if i'm in a house or whatever I, I a lot of the time i'll investigate barefoot um just because i i i'm an earth sign and so you know being that's kind of how i ground myself and um so i feel like the basement is is essentially the birth of the house you know you're closest to the the ground level that's my thinking on it um not that it's any more creepy or anything i just feel like you're just kind of you're digging down you're you're getting to where the house started and, and a lot of stuff rises anyway so that's just kind of how i feel but a creepy attic it, it has its own appeal in its own right yeah. i mean like like the house that you're in where the 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 floorboards were made mm -hmm. from logs. Yes. Yes. Uh, and um, there's a lot. The um, what do you call it? The foundation is limestone. Sure. Yes. You know, it's so it's a lot of conductive stuff down there. Water yeah, pipes, and, electric. And uh, that one was wild. Home, but... what that one was really wild because um, so the Nickerson Sneed House in and of itself, you know, and and let me just step back and say that you know this season, season four was something a little bit different. Um, I actually had a theme with this one. Every location that I investigated was um, was a house, and oh. so so essentially a haunted house or haunted homes was what I covered. And so this particular one, what's unique about this house is the fact one, it's only been in two different families, but essentially um, it started as a, uh, a log cabin and the log cabin was used as a fortress during the revolutionary war by Fr Francis King Cannon. And so um, supposedly that kitchen area of the house was the original cabin and so when you go under and you see those logs those logs are from the 1740s and just seeing that i mean that's that's amazing in and of itself and so um what they did after um after nickerson sneed ended up taking possession of the land uh, and married betsy sneed when they built this house, they actually built the house around the cabin. And so it makes you think of kind of like the Winchester house where there's all these different hallways and staircases that yeah. end. this house is like that. It was really odd because um, they built around that. And then after um, Nickerson Sneed family, after uh, they moved out and the next fam or after they all passed on and the next family moved in, they actually built around the outside of that house. So when you're standing in this sunroom type area, you see the bricks from the 1800s home, which was the outside of the house and the windows and such. So it's just layers upon layers of this house. And, um, and it all comes back to this little cabin that was built in the 1740s. So that, and then that basement was not only, um, just a, a storage basement, but during the Civil War, when Dr. Nickerson Sneed was um, a field physician, they actually stored the bodies in the bottom of that basement. And the stories go that it was it was stacked so high 
with bodies because because this house is in southern Virginia. So there was a lot of fighting going mm -hmm. on there. Um, but essentially it was stacked high enough that the bodies were stacked from the, the floor to the ceiling. And um, I, I mean, I'm six foot and I couldn't stand straight up in it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it is a lower basement, but that's a lot of bodies. And, yeah. um, and then this area too, you know, speaking of just the land and the ground, not only was it uh, used during the, the revolutionary war and the French and Indian war, but um, this particular area of Virginia was where the tribes, the different Indian tribes would meet and they would have their, um, their, kind of their Olympic games that are their oh. summer games that they would have. So there was a, and, and it was right along a trade route. So okay. there was a, a ton of activity that could um, end up lending to just a variety of activity that's, that's in this home, not just with the families, but also with, um, you know, what could be related to the land. So that's kind of why I like, I like the basement area. Cause I feel like you're, mm -hmm. you're getting down to, you're getting down to the basics and you're getting down yeah. to the land on it. So cool. That's so interesting. And to have, you know, like a house inside of a house inside of a house. I wonder yeah. if that confuses and traps the spirits in there. You know, they might be like, I can't get out. Up. Yeah, There's the, a wall. I can't the, get out. The one no, hallway you. that you walk down is windows. Yes. It, so weird. It's like, and with Jen saying that the ghosts are up against the windows, let us They're out. Confused, right? <laughs> yeah, you have windows on each side. You had the windows to the outside of the house. You had the windows that was looking into the original doctor's office, the original bedrooms. Wow. And it was it was wild. And when you came to the end of it, you actually walked down two steps. There's a little flat area. And then you walked up about six more steps to what would be the second level of the original house. You just, it's almost like you kind of that level joined onto the center of a staircase. Mm. And so there was the outside staircase that was now inside, but then there was the inside staircase to the main house. And so um, all the stories that I was reading, I think I even said this in the episode that the stories surrounding this house are just as convoluted as the house itself you know because of just how confusing it was mm -hmm. so it was really interesting um interesting to be in the middle of all that history but then interesting just the way kind of the mind works when you're in a place like that and uh how it can affect you have you ever have you ever seen a full body apparition in one of these houses when you're investigating I haven't in one of these. Um, I've I've seen uh, I've seen shadow figures, okay. um, but uh, you know from from all accounts from talking to different people, some of the different full-bodied apparitions that others have seen, they don't look like your the way you would think one would look. They look like everyday people. I've heard it you know described both ways. So I may have seen something and just didn't realize it at yeah. a few of the places, but nothing that I've been able to document or capture on my shows as far as an actual full bodied apparition. Yet. Yeah. Yet. 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 <laughs> Wait till we come down and we investigate with you. And yeah. Then, That's right. All the ghosty ghosts are gonna <laughs> come right up. Not where I'm at. <laughs> They'll be in the other I'll go Balloon. to the other static electricity, Joe. I'll That's go to the other side of the jail. You guys can all go. But, <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. You've investigated a lot of different locations. Is there any location that keeps calling you and drawing you back to it? Hmm. Um, you know, one that I really, really enjoyed um, that's that's quickly become one of my favorites. And, and you can't investigate there right now, but which is unfortunate because I feel drawn back to it. But the Grand Old Lady Hotel in uh, Balsam, North Carolina, that's one that um, uh, I really enjoyed and just really feel drawn to go back and try to see if I can get, you know, more answers because it was a very active night. Um, the other one, and again, it's another unfortunate situation. You can't go back to it, is uh, Revenant Acres. And that's one I covered in season two. And yeah. that was one that um, I was really intrigued by the mystery around why uh, they were getting some of the different hauntings that they were getting. And um Unfortunately, the owners of the home passed away and the children, they divided up the, the farmland and they didn't want to, you know, uh, be involved in the paranormal. So I think they actually, if they haven't demolished the house yet, the plans were to demolish it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. 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 
another location loss. I you know. know. <laughs> when you when you travel to these locations, do you ever go to the cemetery and visit the graves of the people that are supposed to be from the houses or from the I location? Do. I do. Um, if if it's an if it's a uh, if there's an opportunity to do that, I do. Um, uh, for instance, you know, when I went up and did uh, the Lizzie Borden house, we actually ended up going um, to the cemetery. We were able to find uh, Lizzie's grave as well as her parents, which is ironic. She's actually buried there near her uh, near her dad. Um, and so, uh, so visited there, the Nickerson Sneed house, um, the video footage from this past season, um, I was, uh, filming there, um, Octagon Hall, they do have, uh, um, they have the slave graveyard as well as several of the family members are there on, on site or nearby. So I always try to go if at all possible, just because it, you know, it's, it's it's just it's there's something different about it you know when you can actually go and spend some time at those particular graves uh rather than just being in the house asking questions yeah we go to a location called the gill house and i try to make it over to the grave sites before we Mm -hmm. go it's Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of respect well it's a lot of respect but it's also yeah it connects you with them you know it's you're putting Mm -hmm. you know it's just not a story you're seeing right. the grave, the actual yeah. person that was right. actually there. And what's great mm-hmm. about going to the cemeteries is you're finding other family members that that maybe you don't have that that information on. You know, mm-hmm. they could be like children or infants or something that passed away. So, you know, you're ironing yourself with the knowledge and, and being able to maybe connect with spirits that you didn't know that were going to be in the house or, yeah. or at the location. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you know, because because for me, essentially, when when, you know, I'm investigating the location, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the time what we're experiencing and, and my my thoughts always change on it. But I feel like what we're experiencing a lot is is the energy, you know, from from uh, the person or the house. And so, um, you know, I, I, I see a, a comment over here talking about uh, just because you visit the grave site, you know, doesn't mean the spirit is there. I, that's absolutely true. But yeah. as you said, Joe, it's it is a form of respect. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel that when you go to, um, you know, I don't go to the grave site to investigate whenever I go to visit that. It's usually yeah. out of research. It's also um, getting footage. Like you said, you do find out some uh, different family members and such. I'm there to investigate the house. Um, you know, it, for me, it's like you said, it's, it's respect. It's spending time talking, explaining what I'm going to be doing, right. that sort of thing. Um, because, I mean, I feel like spirits are all around us. Energy yeah. is all around us. Yeah, sure. And so um, I think you have to be respectful and all that when you go to these places. And that's just a, a great form of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, like I said, it puts, it almost puts a, a name to the spirit because you're seeing their grave. That's right. You know that it was a person. And I go to grave sites a lot. I go, I love mm-hmm. cemeteries just because yeah. one, it's history. Mm-hmm. Two, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mausoleums and all that. And, and you get to see the history. But to me also, I know I've said this many times. He's just looking for a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> No, I've said this many times is it's the three forms of death, your physical death, mm-hmm. the day that they put you in the ground and the last time someone speaks your name. Yep. And that's, that's right. why I love cemeteries is because you can always walk through. And I, as I walk through, I name off the names I see just mm-hmm. out of respect to them. Yeah. I used to go to cemeteries to find names for the characters in my books because <laughs> I was like, I got to find a unique name or something. So I'd be like, let me go over to the cemetery and see some <laughs> Well, and nope. you know, it's, it does, Robert. it's, it's kind of, yeah. and I talk about this in um, my episode where we investigated the funeral home in uh, season, it was season two, episode two. Um, you know, the cemetery is the great equalizer, you know, essentially it doesn't matter. You know, you can, you, people have different stones and that sort of thing. But I mean, in the very end, we're all the same and we're all in the same place, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That is for sure. So let's talk about season four. Just okay. came out this year. So exciting. Um, name off some of the locations that you're, that yeah, you're going to highlight. Don't tell us too much. Yeah. We want them to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And trust yes, me, I've, so. seen, I've seen the episodes 
and I've seen the activity you get and it's blows my mind, the Thank amount you. of activity. And I'm like, like the flashlights. I know you mm -hmm. like using flashlights, mm -hmm. getting responses. Yeah. Yeah. And, and using those responses or getting those responses with other tools is, is yeah. what I like to do. You know, having the temperature change on the EDI plus box and the pressure change and the flashlight go off, you know, so I like to try to combine the tools. But um, yeah. but yeah, so so for anyone who hasn't seen any of my seasons. Um, so what I typically do, it, they all release during the month of October. Um, this year was a little bit different because of opening the historic Scott County Jail. But um, so the season has sort of extended um, through the month of October as well as over here into November. We actually still have the season finale that uh, is going to be hopefully coming out soon, which I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but all the episodes, like I said, they do release during the month of October. And so the seasons are typically four to five episodes long. Um, we've put out uh, four episodes now, I believe. Uh, we covered the Nickerson Sneed House in two episodes, which was my solo investigation and then my collaboration with Jake Fife. Um, and then I covered Octagon Hall, which is in southern Kentucky. And um, that actually ended up being a, a very active investigation. And then um, as of late, the Ma Barker House in yeah. central Florida. Um, that was one that was actually a really cool one because we did do some different techniques in that one. Um, you know, if you know, it's it's an intriguing and fascinating story. I was only the second investigator that's been able to investigate the location. Um, Dr. Christy Sumner from Soul Sisters Paranormal. They were the first team to go in and uh, investigate that location. And so um, I was able to go in after after them and. Um, very cool investigation, uh, very uh, interesting um, trigger items that uh, we ended yeah. up using and some some very cool um, intelligent responses that I was able to get. Mind um, blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was actually a very, um, I was really surprised at the responses from from a place that um, is definitely not over investigated because again, only the two of us have ever investigated there because it's not open for investigations at this time um, to not have um, have it over investigated, but have a lot of the responses I was getting. I was really surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, and from what I remember, the, the place is pretty much no electricity, no running water, anything like that. Right. Like it's, Michelle, yes, basically. Yeah, I mean, they they moved the house from its yeah. original, excuse me, from its original spot, mm -hmm. and um, there's no power, no bathroom, um, nothing other than, <clears throat> excuse me, other right. than a power pole that has um, the AC hooked up to it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris is chiming in and said, "Ma and Fred were very <laughs> active there and want people to know it." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, they, they really wanted the story of the fact that they were murdered rather than, <clears throat> excuse me, ra sorry, I don't know why I'm losing my voice, um, rather than the, um, you know, the fact that forget what they did, but just, you know, there's yeah. a lot of stories surrounding the, the shootout. And so I feel that it was very important to Ma and Fred that they yeah. let people know that that uh, they were murdered. You really got that impression when you were in there. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, that's cool. And when our listeners actually see the episode, in the beginning, Miranda does give a lot of history yeah. about the house, and it's mm -hmm. so interesting. And it, like you said, it it really brings into mind how the spirits react to the location because this house was not on the original location. Right. And exactly. you'll be able. To you'll be able to find that out in the episode, how they did it and why they did it. But the house is cool because it still looks like it did when the shootout happened. Yeah. It there's did. And that's, <clears throat> that's amazing. I mean, there's, there's all the bullet holes in there. The furniture is original. Um, it's really, it's really cool that uh, somebody that, that had it had the presence of mind to be like, you know, this is a significant historical event. I'm going to do what I can to, to preserve this. You yeah. just don't see that that often. 
And, um, you know, that was amazing to just be inside of this location to actually be able to put your fingers in the bullet holes to sit on the furniture. I mean, just, just incredible. And, um, you know, I think that that really kind of lends a lot to the, to the different types of activity that we were experiencing there. And then just the fact that you could take out all of the outside contamination. I mean, essentially I had to take my Jeep back there to get in. I wasn't able to ride my motorcycle because um, it was just, you know, you you essentially have to have four wheel drive to where they move the house to. And um, when you go outside, it's, it's surrounded by, by Florida jungle, if you will. (laughs) And uh, you know, you're, it's, it's so dark, so dark. It's, it's almost like putting yourself, you know, when you do the Estes method and put yourself in that Mm -hmm. sensory deprived state, of closing your eyes, blocking off your hearing, that sort of thing. That's what that house made me think of. You know, you you don't have the outside sounds. You don't have the outside light. You don't have the outside EMF that the house is pulling with the activity. So, and then then also there's the water, Lake Weir, which is um, not too far from there. So it was, it was really cool. And it really kind of puts you in this different state and you it was very heightened because of that i would love to find a location where there's no contamination like that because we're always in locations where we hear car sounds or people people yelling outside or investigators inside who can't whisper (laughs) (laughs) yeah chris says jungle we prefer nature yeah And, and Dr. Sumner was with you at that uh, location. She yeah, was with me at that like mosquito netting. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. Alligators. She was. Right. <laughs> she, um, and, and one of the things that I do, so I, I try to keep my episodes fairly short. I mean, sometimes that's hard to do when you have a, a, a lot of story and a lot yeah. of investigation to really narrow down, you know, 12 hours of, mm-hmm. or if not longer, uh, down into, 20 to 40 minutes that's that's really hard to do and and to be able to still tell a consistent story and so so what i try to do with the episodes i try to keep them 20 to 40 minutes and uh the very first part is you know five to ten minutes of really condensing the story down um and sharing you know why i'm there um what i'm investigating telling a little bit about the the town that I'm at because, you know, this, you know, I'm a biker and travel is something that's important and then getting down into the, um, the meat of the investigation and, and really trying to put the people into the investigation with me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's what we try to cover on all of it. I don't really go into in the investigation. A, a lot of the people who watch my show, they may not be paranormal investigators. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't go into the tools as much um, yeah. as I'm doing the investigation. However, uh, I follow up the episode with, uh, so those are released on Tuesday nights, follow up the episode with a Thursday night live stream. That way I can go in, I can really drill down into the episode. For this particular one, um, I had Dr. Sumner on because she was a docent there at the um, at the uh, house for uh, for quite a period of time and because she was the first investigator um you know i had her on to help me share the history and talk about her investigation and then we really talked about the tools that i used and the techniques behind it and we open it up to where the people in the live stream can ask questions um, and really uh, interact in talking about the episode and i find that that helps me to have to um, not have to narrow down or really get into that in the episodes and I can really save that real estate for um, talking about the investigation. Yes, we have a question. Um, Daniel Jackson's asking, have you ever felt um, if you just stayed one more hour, you might, I'm sorry, you may have gotten something more? Is his question? Always. Always. (laughs) I know. Always. You know, I I try to, you know, because I am on the bike and because I do have limited time, I really try to plan out the investigations very thoroughly if I can, you know. And so, um, you know, I I do try to have a plan of attack when I go into a location. However, I do also try to let the location sort of, I go in and try to let the location tell me 
where I should investigate and where I should should start. And so a lot of the time, even though I have the plan, I usually end up kind of veering off at some point. But um, I think that's always the case. Every time I leave, I always think, oh, you know, I, I didn't go to this spot or I didn't spend this much time. What if I had spent and done this. I, th- I think that's kind of a typical thing for, for most people. You know, yeah. I, I try to stay as long as I can, but on, on the flip side, I think that most people do kind of get to where it's like, you know, it's, th- there's always that one thing you, you yeah. should have done yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We've been in locations and had so much activity in one area and we never get to yeah. the other areas. Mm-hmm. And then the sun's coming up and you're like, yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> yeah. Next time. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Nine hours to go back. Yeah. But- <laughs> Miranda, we want to thank you so much yes, for coming I really on. Appreciate it. We've been talking about doing this for so long, and I'm glad to have you on. Um, I'm really love this season with yeah. the houses. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I'm waiting for the last episode to come out. <laughs> yeah, this this last episode, I'm actually very excited about it because um like I said this this season has been a little different because of all the different things that I've had in, involved, but I've really enjoyed hitting the houses because yeah. being being a solo investigator, when you do the big, you know, the big penitentiaries and prisons and all that stuff, it's kind of hard because there's a lot of ground to cover for one person. Yeah. Um, and with the houses, I feel like I've really been able to get in there and really drill down. Um, the season finale is something. So originally I wanted to have it out before Thanksgiving, but um, I actually um, I've been consulting with um, the, the, the location I'm going to do. I've been consulting with the author of a book. Uh, about this location. And so um, I'm really excited by the fact that um, he's given me some some more information that I didn't, as far as with the history, that I didn't mm-hmm. really know. And so um, the uh, the plan right now is that, and, and it could change, but the plan right now is that uh, the season finale is going to be two-part. Um, one will be the uh, investigation, and okay. then there may end up being a live that uh, comes out of it. Is what I'm hoping. I'm yeah. hoping to be able to uh, kind of follow this up with an actual live investigation, um, because this yeah. one actually is it. It spans, you know, like like we've uh, talked about in the past. You know, um, for instance, in my early on season, um, when I covered a few different places. Um, like the the Sunset Hill house and uh, you know those sort of things. There's like multiple investigation spots involved. Yeah, that's that's kind of how this season finale is going to be. And um, I think it's something that it's a it's a great story. Um, it's uh, a lot of history and uh, the location is is really cool. So I'm hoping to be able to do it justice. And I think if I just take a little bit extra time, uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Hopefully it'll be before Christmas. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's going to be something that I think is going to be worth the wait. Definitely. Yeah. We're so looking forward to that. <laughs> and if anybody wants to check out your uh, videos, can you just direct them where to go? I'm sure everybody knows. But yeah. We'll <laughs> Absolutely. For moms who are out there watching. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, so people can watch all four seasons. They can uh, catch up on those and watch any lives that I do either on the Ghost Biker Explorations Facebook page, the Ghost Biker Explorations YouTube channel, or www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. And before we let you go, also, we wanted to mention that you're going to be on in a couple of weeks with us again. Yes. Talking yes. about the historic Scott County Jail. Yes. Which, yes. With Dr. Chris as well. With Dr. Chris Sumner. Yes, we're so excited. Yeah, this is, I'm I'm so excited about that. And I appreciate you guys uh, letting letting me come on and uh, letting Dr. Sumner and I come on and and talk about this. So essentially, you know, this has been something that has has been a while in the making. Um, You know, Dr. Sumner and I, we became friends through the paranormal and uh, had wanted to start a business together. And so, um, you know, being able to, to do this and make this, you know, an accessible location 
to um, to a lot of you know to to everybody to the paranormal community as well as uh, the local community yeah. is is real exciting and so, um, so yeah we're looking forward to coming on and and being able to share that that story. Well, everybody stay tuned because stay it tuned. is going to be <laughs> a wild ride. So put on your helmets and uh, that's right. Right. we are coming down yes, as soon as we can. Yes. <laughs> nice, nice. There. But anyways. Thank you, thank you, thank you yes. for coming on. This is a blast. I enjoy every time I get a chance to talk to you, and I enjoy watching you on other shows also. Yeah. Well, thank so. you, thank you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we do. Um, uh, we do the live stream every Thursday night, uh, taking mm -hmm. the break during the month of December. Um, so hopefully we'll be back on uh, on target and can have you guys on uh, next year. Um, yeah. And sure. so that'll be a live stream every Thursday night where we talk about talk talk to and talk about people who are doing things in the paranormal so yeah. and i know you guys are always doing a lot and like i said i've done a lot for the community so um okay. so yeah be on the lookout for that as well <laughs> all right well thanks everyone for tuning in this week and we're gonna leave you with some dead in five devil white devil with the dirty bass from dana forrester Concentrate, infiltrate, let it flow, can you feel it? Inside you, inside you, inside you. Lose your mind and you'll grind as you'll fade it away.